All right, I've got to say that one of the quickest ways to ruin my week, and I really pray the devil's not listening to this, but one of the quickest ways to ruin my week is for something important to break. This time last year, I swear, everything that could break, broke. Our tumble dryer broke. Our washing machine broke. There was a big tree over our pool, which broke into our pool. Our electric fence, our alarm, our pool motor, our gates, both our cell phone screens, and my wife's hip broke, and really, my sanity came close to breaking. Now, one of the worst things to broke, if you've ever experienced this, is where... <clears throat> is when your car breaks, right? Especially when no one knows what caused the car to break. When we first started here at Riverside Community Church, I had one of those small little Renault Clios, and one day it broke. And so I took it to our mechanic, and he says, oh, I know exactly what broke that caused the car to break, and so I will fix it for you. Needless to say, that didn't fix it. So after a few more attempts, we eventually decided to take it into the dealers and cough up and get them to fix what was broke. And guess what they said? We know exactly what's wrong with it. For a few thousand rand, we will fix it. And you know what? They did it and the car was still broke. Oh, okay, sorry. Now we know what's wrong with your car. And for a few thousand rand, we will happily fix it for you. And guess what happened? The car was still broke. Eventually, we took it to someone who did find what was broken in the car. And seriously, for a few hundred bucks and a few hours, they sorted my car out. All right, so see where there is hope. <laughs> but given how we feel when things break... Today's prayer is going to be extremely difficult to pray. You see, we are in the final week of a series that we've been going through called Dangerous Prayers. And some of you were thrown by that word dangerous. What do we mean by dangerous? Well, you see, most of the prayers we pray are safe prayers. Lord, bless me prayers. Lord, protect me prayers. Lord, keep me safe prayers. Lord, help me prayers. Now listen, if you're praying, continue praying those prayers, but most of those prayers are designed to keep us in our comfort zone. But God never does anything incredible in the confines of our safety zone. And so over the course of the last few weeks, we have been challenged and encouraged to pray some prayers designed to take us outside of our comfort zone as we trust God in bigger ways. And so some of you are asking with bated breath, okay, well, what is today's prayer about? Let me tell you up front, some of you will not like today's prayer. In fact, many of you may choose flat out, refuse to pray today's prayer. Today's prayer is inconsistent with the God just wants you, have to, wants you to have a happy, easy, comfortable life kind of prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking. Stephen, I don't need that in my life right now. Because things are breaking in my life. And my sanity is borderline about to break. 
right? And my concentration span doesn't last for more than five seconds. So I hope what you've got to say, you can say it quickly. Stephen, it's tough. Stephen, it's rough. We're at the end of the year. We've got exams. We've got bills. We've got events. We've got deadlines. Please just give me the bless me prayers. Please just give me the safe prayers. Well, I believe that today's prayer has the potential, should we have the courage to pray it, to open up our hearts in such a way that God can work in deep, redemptive, healing, powerful ways. And so to lead us there, maybe I should just give you a few minutes that if you want to leave right now, now's the time for you to go and just remember that you've got a family emergency. Uh, I won't judge you if you leave right now. So what is the prayer? What is today's prayer? And today's prayer is, Lord, break me. Lord, break me. Now, why on earth would we pray that prayer? Isn't Jesus in the business of fixing broken lives? Isn't Jesus in the business of bringing wholeness to brokenness? Why would we go upstream of what we think God is doing and ask Him to break us? Well, to help answer that question, I'm going to read from a prayer that is, pro- that is prayed from a place of brokenness by a very broken man. In fact, it was prayed by King David. And King David, after having some great experience of God's presence, of God's power and God's victory and God's salvation, he's in a place of power. He's in the throne of, king, of being a king and he's experiencing some of this Noah that we were talking about earlier. And one day he's outside and he sees a hot babe and he decides he wants said hot babe. And so he does go and have exactly his way with her. And then he organizes that her husband gets taken care of. And you know what that means. And he feels nothing about it. Until the prophet Nathan comes up to him, speaking on behalf of God, and convicts him, and immediately David broke. And one of the many places in the scriptures that refer to his repentance is Psalm 51. And I'm not going to read the whole of Psalm 51, but I'm going to read two verses, verse 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. In other words, God, what you need from me right now is not this outward religious devotion. You don't need me to go to church and tick all the right boxes. Rather, God, what you need from me right now is for me to know and understand my brokenness and bring that before you. And that is how you will accept me today. Now, some of you might be saying, especially if you've been journeying with us as a church, but Stephen, a few weeks ago, the dangerous prayer we prayed was, break my heart. Haven't we covered this ground? Will the prayer break my heart? The purpose of praying that prayer was, Lord, there are places of need out there in the world. There is brokenness out there, brokenness where you are concerned that there is too much darkness and pain and suffering. Your heart is broken. And so now God, break my heart 
for some of these areas so that I can move into these places as a representative of your light, of your grace, and of your blessing. In other words, break my heart is all about purpose and all about being willing to step into other people's pain today is very different. So to help me explain, I'm going to use an equally dangerous quote by A.W. Tozer, who says this, It is doubtful whether God can bless man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Stephen, this is not the Christianity I see on YouTube. This is not the Christianity that I see on some of these TV stations. This is not the God wants to bless me Christianity. Seriously, where does this guy come from? Why on earth is he talking about God wounding me deeply? And maybe what comes to mind, and I'm sure every single one of you here have seen enough FBI and CIA movies and programs where somebody gets taken behind enemy lines, they get captured, they get put in a little dark room, and some guy with a limp and scars all over his face and, you know, a patch on his eyes, he comes out with a little black bag and he opens the bag and there's all sorts of torture equipment in there and you know exactly what's coming. And now you're saying, Stephen... Is that the God you want me to believe in? A God is going to wound me. What's up with that? Now, let me put this quote into context from a way longer paragraph in a book called The Roots of the Righteous. I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, but just a few lines leading up to this quote. The devil, things and people being what they are, it is necessary for God to use the hammer, the file, and the furnace in his holy work of preparing a saint for true sainthood. Now, that's not the saints in, in the Catholic churches. That's you and me that God is preparing to be set apart for his work. And in light of this, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Now, many of you know because I bring it up way too often than I probably should, that I love being like a kind of home cook, a kind of little home foodie. And one of the things that gives me great joy and pleasure in life, especially as I'm cooking, is some good quality hyper sharp knives. And the thing is, those super sharp knives can be used to lovingly cook and lovingly, in, lovingly enjoy this creation process for the sake of blessing my family or blessing family and friends. But that very same knife can be used by an intruder to inflict great destruction and damage upon me and my body. You can take a sharp knife and you can use it to bring death and destruction or in the hands of a surgeon, a sharp blade can be used to penetrate, to cause pain, to intentionally inflict damage, but for the purpose of a greater healing without which we would be way worse off, right? And so maybe in order to have the courage to pray this prayer, God, break me, maybe we can understand how this divine healer works, some of the saintly work that God can do in our lives in this breaking. 
And so what could God possibly achieve in the breaking? The first one I want to speak about is breaking removes the masks. Let, let me tell you something that I fight with myself every single Sunday. And even in my office when I'm doing certain preparation, everything in me wants to impress you. Everything in me wants you to go home and go, wow, Stephen's so clever. Wow, Stephen's so learned. Stephen's so intelligent. Stephen's so holy. Stephen's so well-read. Am I the only one? Isn't everything in culture telling me that in order to impress you, I need to put my best foot forward? I need to live like I've got it all together even when I don't. I've got to act like I've got it all together even when I don't because no one in this room has it all together. Otherwise, you should be up here with the microphone. But the truth is this. Thank you, Michelle. I love amens, man. I love it when we get excited by truth and by God's presence. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> and that's why we have notes. What we call those fake fronts, what we call me trying to act like I've got it all together, it's a mask, it's a pretense. And so what happens is we become dehumanized because it's the fake Stephen engaging with the fake Michelle. And then we bring the fake Stephen to God and we want God to work with me at the level of my fakeness, at the level of my mask. And God's going, I'm not happy with that. I want to deal with the real you. And sometimes the way God removes the masks of hypocrisy and pretense in our lives is to bring a breaking. And that is so scary because now it's the real me. You see, I can handle the fake me, but maybe I don't like the real me. So now I've got to come to terms with the real me. My wife, my kids, my family, my friends have to come to terms with the real me. And now I'm standing before a holy God as the real me. But let me tell you, this is when God's work actually begins in your life. So breaking removes the masks. Number two, and these points just flow naturally on from each other. A breaking allows God's grace to flow towards me. You know, we as a church, and I'm not just speaking Riverside, just the global church, we love pointing out the big, bad, ugly, obvious sins. You know, the sins we can see literally worn on people's faces. The sins we can loudly denounce on social media. The problem is, in some of those lists in Scripture which denounce rightly some of these sins are some other sins that we tend to tolerate in our own lives. Listen to one of them, James 4 verses 6. But he gives us more grace. The goal here is more grace. I want more grace. He gives us more grace. This is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You see, the problem with pride is, number one, we tolerate it. 
In fact, sometimes we admire it in religious circles, especially certain forms of self-righteousness and spiritual pride. Now, the biggest problem with pride, let me rather say, one of the biggest problems with pride is not that it's simply on the naughty list and God says, well, you get a demerit, but rather proud is, pride is saying, I'm good, God. I'm actually quite okay with my righteousness. I'm actually quite content with where I am right now. And so I am therefore cutting myself off from my awareness of the real need within me. And therefore I am cutting myself off from the grace of God that desires to flow towards me. But when God breaks us, He is breaking our pride so that, so that we can receive more grace. I've used this quote before. Dallas Willard, he writes this. The greatest saints are not those who need less grace, but those who consume the most grace, who indeed are most in need of grace. Those who are saturated by grace in every dimension of their breath, grace to them is like breath. And let me tell you, pride is incompatible with the statement. And so breaking humbles us, which is the third point leading on from this previous one. Similar to pride, previously we just spoke about how pride gets in the way of the grace that God wants to pour out in my lives. But also, pride gets in the way from me adopting a posture of humility. There are all sorts of types of pride that we sometimes admire and respect, whether it be spiritual and religious forms of pride or whether it be certain types of pride in the marketplace and in the workplace. And so we admire certain types of people that are actually driven by pride. We try and emulate them. The problem is you may even become more like them, but you will not become more like Jesus. Philippians 2 verses 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, a.k.a. pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And then a few verses later, he shows that this is the posture we ought to adopt so that we, in humility, may become more like Jesus, who himself, though he was the King of Kings, though he was God, though he had everything and every power and authority is his, He made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so a breaking humbles me and therefore positions me to start a journey becoming more and more like Jesus. And number four, And again, just leading on naturally from the previous points, a breaking brings repentance. A breaking brings repentance. Now, for those of you who who are parents here today, or you've been parents, easiest job in the world, right? (laughs) No, 
All right. Now, here's some free parenting advice for all past, present, and future parents. And if you weren't parents, then, uh, sorry, if you aren't parents, then this was your parents' concern for you. But a friend of mine writes a blog. He's in Cape Town, and he writes this blog called The Dad Dude. Check it out. Great, helpful stuff around parenting. But he says when it comes to the behavior of our children, there's three verbs we need to know, seeding, feeding, and weeding. Seeding, feeding, and weeding. Seeding is when there are certain qualities you want to see in your children, but they're absent. And so you need to find ways of seeding those qualities in your, par- in your kids' lives so they can develop. Feeding is when you do see great qualities in your children, you need to nurture and feed those qualities by rewarding and encouraging those qualities. And then our favorite one, weeding. Where when we see things in our children's lives, we're going to use all wisdom and grace and courage to weed those things out of our children's lives. And so if we truly love our children, we will seed things into their lives. We will feed good things in their lives and we will weed them. Now, which of those three do you think are your kids' favorite two? Seeding and feeding. Do your children ever come to you and say, mom and dad, thank you so much for identifying sin in my life. Thank you for the courage and wisdom you showed to weed these things out of me. Said no child ever for 20, 30 years until they become parents. But if you love your children, part of your approach to them is not only seeding and feeding, but also weeding. And the same is true of our heavenly Father where He is desiring such life for us. And consequently, He is identifying broken and hurtful patterns of behavior and thinking and perceptions within us that He wants to weed out, not because He's against us, but because He's for us. And sometimes, in order for God to get our attention, He needs to Break us. There's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18 about two people who go to the the temple to pray. And the first one is a Pharisee. And man, he's the one, he's the spiritual one that everyone looks at and everyone tries to emulate. And everyone goes, you want to know what a real Christian looks like? It is that guy. And he comes in and he makes sure everybody notices him. And he's at the front. His arms are up there and he is praising and worshiping. We get a bit of insight into his own heart because he's saying, oh God, I'm so glad I'm me and not that guy, the tax collector at the back of the hall. You know those sinners? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he was broken. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I'll tell you that this man, rather than the other, he went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. It is the one with the broken heart about his sin, 
and about his need for God's mercy and grace that God was able to meet and bless and justify and exalt. Which leads us to the next point. A breaking leads to healing and new creation and new things in our lives. And to get us to where I'm going, I want to quote from Eugene Peterson here. He says this, God does not deal with sin by ridding our lives of it as if it were a germ or mice in the attic. God does not deal with sin by amputation as if it were a gangrenous leg, leaving us crippled, holiness on a crutch. Rather, God deals with sin by forgiving us. And here's the part I want you to notice. God deals with our sin by forgiving us. And when he forgives us, there is more of us, not less. See, when God breaks us, he doesn't just want to restore us to some point of previous wholeness. He wants to take us beyond that. He wants to lead us to higher levels of who he created you to be. He wants more of his love and presence and wholeness in your life. And sometimes a breaking is a thing that needs to happen in our lives in order for him to confront that thing so that, so that we have to keep the so that in mind so that there can be more grace, more of him, more healing, more wholeness. Because God wants more for us, not less. And then finally, breaking leads to compassion and healing for others. One of the things I'm learning, and to be honest, I don't find it easy. It's something Craig Rochelle says, and he says, you impress people with your strengths, but you connect through your brokenness. Brendan Manning, who wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel, he says, one of life's greatest paradoxes is that it's in the crucible of pain and suffering, a breaking, that we become tender. I think this is exactly what Paul had in mind in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to his titles for God. The Father of compassion and the God of all comforts who gives me the easiest, most blessed life. No, who comforts us in all our troubles. Vertical, vertically receiving comfort from my God the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts in my time of trouble. So that, here's the so that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is one of the places we see the blessing and power of a breaking. You know, the number of times someone's called me up and said, hey, Steve, you know, we need to meet up, we need to chat. And then as I sit down, Opposite a cup of coffee. Listen, Steve, things are not great in my marriage. And I think so often the perception is, well, sitting on the other side of the table, a.k.a. me, is this guy who's got it all together. And then what I'm able to say is, listen, some of the things you've experienced in your marriage, we've experienced in our marriage. And some of the breakings you're experiencing are breakings we're, we've experienced. Let me tell you how God met us in that place. Let me also tell you how I fought with God in that place. 
Let me also tell you how hard it is, but also let me tell you how God has brought restoration and love and peace and a greater sense of His presence and His blessing. Now, all of a sudden, instead of this pastor, whatever that is, sitting on the other side of the table from his perfect life, as if his life and marriage falls out of pages of Scripture, we've got someone who in his pain experienced comfort from God. And now, not out of my strength, but out of my weakness, I get to connect with people, and somehow God does so much more in that place than when I minister from a place of strength. Now, going back to this prayer, I know, again, so many of you are like, listen, for all the things you highlighted before, I'm just not ready to pray this prayer. And on top of that, it's like 37 degrees Celsius. Maybe if it's a 25, I could pray this prayer because then I'd have the strength to make it. But right now, I don't have the strength for anything. So why would we do this? Well, let me give you one more thought from Henry Nowen, who wrote in The Wounded Healer. Christian leaders are called to help others affirm this great news and to make visible in daily events the fact that behind the dirty curtain of our painful symptoms, there is something great to be seen. There is something great to be seen in our breaking. The face of God in whose image we are shaped. And so by breaking, we're ask, what we're asking God to do is to break those things that separate us from the person He's trying to shape us, to be more of ourselves created in the image of Christ. He's wanting to break the things that separate us from His love and His grace and His presence. God is not a sadist who wounds us and gets pleasure from it. He is the great physician who wounds us and knows that will lead to more grace, more healing, more power, and more wholeness. And yes, as we come out of the other side of a powerful encounter with God, maybe like Jacob in the Old Testament, we walk with a limp, but we walk with a new life, a new power, a new love, a new humility, a new calling, a new compassion. In short, we are more alive to the kingdom of God than before, and we are more available to the grace of God in us and through us. And that's why some of us are going to have the courage to pray, God, break me. Now, I know that some of you are all in. You're like, Stephen, I want that. And even if I walk with a limp for the rest of my life, man, I do want more grace. I do want more healing. I do want more of God's kingdom in my life, both in my life and through my life to the sake of others. I do want to be used by you, God, in other people's places of pain where they need compassion, they need mercy. And I want to be that person. And so some of you are saying, Lord, whatever the cost, I don't care. I'm all in. Now for the rest of you, I don't want you to sit here going, well, just because I can't be 100% in, today's sermon is not for me. And so maybe a bit of a midway point, if I were to meet you halfway, is for you to think back to some of the pains you are already experiencing. They're already there. 
some of the, the sin and brokenness that is already being highlighted in your own life. And maybe for you, the starting point is, Lord, I don't need any more breaking in my life, but won't you break this thing in me? Won't you break this self-righteousness in me? Won't you break this hypocrisy in me? Won't you break this spiritual pride in me? Won't you break this hardness of my heart? And once again, this is not just about the breaking, but about the blessing of newness and new faith and new life. And so I want to invite us all to pray and to come vulnerably, vulnerably and honestly before God. And so as we've been going through these prayers, these dangerous prayers, we've been invited into becoming uncomfortable for the sake of growth. And so as we, as we go into this thing of, Lord, break me, break my heart, uh, use me, uh, change me, we need to respond to that in a way that I believe for today, we need to go past our comfort zones together because we are doing this together. We are part of a community of faith. And so I want to invite us in, in either of these aspects that Steve has just brought to us, whether it is we are all in and want to do that or we are, uh, we are struggling through this to respond by coming together um, out of our comfort zones, literally in our seats today, and let's do that together as a community up front. That, Lord, I want to respond in this way to you. And so, even now, let us do that um, as a community, and we, as we do that, we will encourage each other. We will grow together in unity, in the breaking, in allowing the Lord to break us so that He can use us in greater ways. And part of this is symbolizing, <laughs> have mercy on me, God, I am a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Break me of my pride. I come before you in humility. And so, Lord, even as we see people, as we together, as your, as your community, come before you with humble hearts, with humble spirits, would you break us? Break us of our pride. Break us of our preconceived ideas of what it means to be in your presence. That we would together with Peter say Lord where else can we go you have the words of life you are the way you are the truth you are the life and so Lord I pray for for each person that is responding here that there will be an outpouring of your spirit in this moment as we humble our hearts before you pour out your spirit let there be a wave of your spirit moving through us together i pray for a unity in this church together as we do this together 
that we come before you and allow you to break us so that you can grow us. Without the breaking, there is no growth. Without the discomfort, we cannot become who you want us to be in the fullness of what you want to do. And so, Holy Spirit, would you flood your people this morning? Powerfully, Lord Jesus. More of you, Jesus. More of your empowering. Let there be a, a real sense of your truth filling us and a real sense of your grace filling us. I pray for those people that have been, that are, are hurting and are broken, that they will understand that grace and that you'll use that for the sake of your kingdom in them and ultimately through them. Let your kingdom come this morning, Lord, in the lives of your people. So we're going to just wait for just a few moments in the stillness and allow God to work in us.